Mission 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome back, Heather Knight, to Total SF for our Sister Act 2 episode. Did you ever think we'd be doing a Sister Act 2 Back in the Habit episode? I did not. Our editor-in-chief, Audrey Cooper, left us, and I figured there was no point in mocking Sister Act anymore with her 3,000 miles away. She hates these movies, but we're doing it anyway. We'll be sure to share the episode with her. She still follows us on Twitter. She's going to know all about this. But that's not why we're doing it. We're not even doing it to troll. Uh, Audrey, um, I watched this movie again. I'm working on an essay now about it. Um, I really enjoyed it. This movie has aged very well. I had a great time watching it. Did you get to see it? Yeah, I watched it uh, last night, actually. And um, super happy. Just the kind of upbeat, musical, joyful movie we need right now. Well, we've got uh, a friend of ours coming back. Um, when there's a Sister Act episode, we need Sarah Katz-Hyman. Do you remember how we met Sarah? Yes, um, we were planning to show the first Sister Act at the Balboa Theater almost a year ago. We were probably in planning mode exactly a year ago, because I think it was early December. And um, Janice Lee, the BART board director, um, texted me that I needed to meet this person behind a Twitter account called Sister Activism. (laughs) And she hooked us up with Sarah, who came on um, our podcast to talk about the first Sister Act, and now she's back to talk about the second one. Yeah, and I mean, that was a very, 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 very fun screening. That was the screening where we had uh, Byron Cobb, the cable car bell ringer, with um, Lynn Miller, our bagpiper doing a spontaneous duet. Yeah. Sarah shows up um, wearing a nun's habit uh, with a uh, lounge singer dress underneath, which is <laughs> what Dolores, it, it, it represents both of Dolores' I think it was Dolores like sparkly gold, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. And she just brought so much energy to that night and the after party. That was my favorite after party. That was so um, fun. So, very happy to have her back on. Um, she knows everything about Sister Act and, and fun to talk to. Yeah. This is a feel-good episode. So our Sister Act 2 breakdown coming up. Um, I actually have a little audio I'm going to play. I interviewed the director of Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, Bill Duke, for a column I've got coming up. And uh, we'll play just a little bit of that, too. I'm Peter Hartlob, here with Heather Knight, Sarah Katz-Hyman coming up. This is Total SF. Thank you very much. Hello, and welcome welcome back to Total SF, Sarah Katz-Hyman, Sister Act super fan came to our Sister Act event not just in a habit, but in a habit with a lounge singer uniform underneath. Um, that was to our movie night. Uh, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really good now that I'm here talking about <laughs> Sister Act 2. When you sent me the message, I was like, I'm ready to drop everything today. Let's do this. Let's talk about it. I was born for this. Um, <laughs> let's let's lay it out. You have uh, you are a huge Sister Act fan. You run yes. the uh, Twitter account Sister Activism. Correct. 
And yes. um, and we've talked about it. We we had an episode. People can go back and get your sister act bona fides. But um, <laughs> you are a super fan. Let's... I wanted to point out that she was really lobbying for Netflix to carry Sister Act and Sister Act Two, and yeah. it is on Disney Plus, <laughs> both of them. So yes. Disney Plus beat Netflix to the punch. I'm sure they saw your Twitter account and they were like, "We've got to do this." I'm sure. I'm sure it was me alone, <laughs> and not how the movies were owned by Disney. No, that had nothing to do with no. it. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is vindication for you because you came on our last podcast and we talked about Sister Act in preparation for that movie, and I believe Heather and I were both like, "Sister Act Two, really?" And I had seen it like shortly after it came out and didn't have a really strong memory, watched it again, and I, I'm going to have some criticisms, but I thoroughly en- I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I had a Heather great time. Heather always has my back. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, as Peter knows, I have a terrible memory for movies. Like, I can't remember the details of something I saw, like, a week ago. I don't think I'd ever seen Sister Act 2, unless I completely spaced. But I watched it last night, and it felt like the first time. And it was so fun and so upbeat and joyful, which is what we need right now. Joyful, joyful. Say it twice, one we might say. We adore thee. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get to it. We're going to get to our likes, dislikes, um, some of the location stuff. A little bit about Sister Act 3. I'm going to ask what you're hearing with your ear to the ground, Sarah. Yes. But I wanted to start um, with the history. Uh, the first Sister Act came out in 1992 made more than 225 million which was wow. a huge huge number for that era and it came out did okay and then was in theaters for months it's making like 10 million a week for months it was a huge huge hit so it was just an absolute obvious move for disney to make sister act 2 they made it it came out a year and a half later it so was they- a quick turnaround December 10th, 1993. Um, at the time that Sistrack came out, there weren't a lot of comedies like that. It kind of was like this old school. It, it had, even though Whoopi Goldberg was like a new, exciting comedian, it had a vibe that I think reminded people of like a lot of comedies in the 50s and 60s. Sistrack 2 did not have the open slate that Sistrack had. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire came out two weeks before and was killing it. I mean, That's that tough was competition. Yeah, I mean, it was like absolutely at the top of the box office. And then Sistrack 2 comes out on the same week as Wayne's World, which no one thought was going to do anything and ended up being this crazy surprise hit. Sister Act ends up uh, making over its lifetime a little more than 50 million, which, you know, with the marketing and everything, it probably on its box office lost money. Um, Whoopi Goldberg made 7.5 million. Sarah, have you heard that? No, I, I haven't heard that, but I just read an article today about Whoopi kind of like basically. It, this was from Sister Act 1, and I could tell the this, this story in full later, but basically making sure that other actors in that movie were paid fairly. And yeah. I just read about this, oh, which is cool. amazing. Yeah, she She's at like the peak of her yeah. um, ability to call her shots. Yeah. Um, and $7.5 it made her the highest paid actress in Hollywood history at the time. 
Um, this was also a time when there were a lot of films being shot in San Francisco. Um, in in uh, uh, early 1993, Missed Outfire, um, a bunch of things you've never heard of or nobody cares about anymore. Getting Even with Dad, with Macaulay Culkin and Ted Danson, I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff shooting in San Francisco. So Sister Act 2, and Sarah, you can help me out a little bit, takes place at the end of Sister Act. Dolores, what's Dolores's last name? Van Cartier. Van Cartier, thank you, is back in um, is back in Las Vegas. She's a headliner. Well, she, she moved from Reno. So Sister Act One, she's just a Reno, you know, kind okay. of like second class. But then she has burst into stardom, and now she's Las Vegas. So she's moved up in the casino world. Yeah, and and yeah. we'll get into the fine details of the plot yes. later. <laughs> but she comes back at the request of her nun friends to save a high school, become a music teacher. We'll get into that a little bit because I think we're going to be talking about the plot. Yeah. Touchstone Pictures presents The Second Coming of Sister Mary Clarence. Help us by becoming a teacher. Who would I teach? What would I teach? Teach music. Hello. She's back in the habit again. I know that I've seen you somewhere before. Have you ever been to the Chichi Club? Say it with me, come on. Chichi Club. Chichi Club. This time, she's giving a group of holy terrors. I'm going to turn you guys into a choir. A lesson they'll never forget. But it's it's a lot of the same beats as the same as the first movie, except with um, kids, teenagers, including a young Lauren Hill. So good, so yes. good, <laughs> so good. <laughs> we won't be insulting Lauren Hill today. The Chronicle now bad reviews on top of getting like totally blocked by Missed Outfire and Wayne's World. Um, Sister Act Two did not get good reviews. Um, Roger Ebert trashed it. A lot of people didn't what? like it. The, yeah, the Chronicle though, and and the Chronicle um, gave it a little man clapping. I've got it right here, and uh, I'm going to read. Edward Guthman was the reviewer, um, and his last paragraph is: "It's a testament to Goldberg's star power that even with so many fine actors supporting her." and a bunch of teenage performers who sing and dance circles around her, she's still the one that you focus on, the one you think about the day after seeing the movie. Sister Act 2 doesn't challenge Goldberg, but it's a marvelous showcase nonetheless for one of the screen's most likable personalities. Aw. Yeah. I'm going to I think that's a good review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great review. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, Directed by Bill Duke, who we're going to hear a little bit from later. I interviewed him, and uh, he, he said at the time that he thought a lot of the critics, um, you know, were looking at a lot of things that the audience wasn't going to look at. In general, the audience scores for this were good, but critics gave it bad reviews. There was some competition out, and the movie kind of, I think the reputation, at least immediately, kind of suffered because of that. Was he um, surprised when you called? Like, how did you describe <laughs> why you were interested in talking to him about Sister Act 2, like 20 years later? <laughs> Good question. Because Bill Duke, um, he's an actor. He's been in a lot of movies. Uh, one might say like a character actor. He plays a lot of military and, um, you know, principal type authority figures. Um, he was in Commando and he was in Predator. Um, and he also directed Sister Act 2. He was very, <laughs> very cool about it. Um, I wrote a letter. I write a pretty good letter, like, out of the blue, 
let me talk to you about Sister Act 2. I'm pretty good at that kind of letter. And I, I found out that he actually has a foundation for um, that helps empower uh, at-risk um, teens. Oh, who, that's and, and so he, fitting then. Yeah, and it's in Hollywood. And I made a little Sister Act 2 connection to that and just said, hey, can I get on the Zoom just for a few minutes? I really think this movie's come back. Anyway, Bill Duke... Uh, was very happy to talk to me, and we'll hear a little from him later. He uh, uh, also gave some inspirational quotes, which was kind of nice. Things we like about this movie. Sarah, I want to start with you. Um, You like this movie about as much as Sister Act, more or less? Um, For purposes of equity, I like them the same, and I think it it depends week to week Mm -hmm. and mood to mood. If, like, one movie I'm feeling more, you know, or... What's your mood when you're more, like, in a Sister Act original versus Sister Act 2? Yeah, well, Sister Act original, like, the main, uh, like, fulcrum there is hiding from, you know, the mob. And yeah. Sister Act 2 is, like, pulling in a favor from a friend and, um, you know, going against your parents' wishes. Right. So I think, like, Sister Act 1, you know, you are, like, it's when you're, like, oh, do people like me? Um... You know, and then you have this whole convent of women who bring Whoopi in and they're just like, yeah, we accept you, whatever, whoever you are. And then Sister Act 2 is when you're kind of more in the like, I need to believe in me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, power of friendship pulling in that favor, but then also being like, you know what? Someone says that I'm not good at something. I'm gonna do it anyway because I love it. So. Those are, those are like the general thematic moods that I might be in when I watch it. And sometimes I really want to like sing along to Joyful Joyful. And sometimes I really want to sing along to like I Will Follow Him. So it just depends. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sister Act 1 is where Dolores Van Cartier kind of finds herself. And then Sister Act 2, she finds her purpose. And, um, and, and she helps I, other people find themselves. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I think... Everything with these kids ages fantastically. Um, there are plot holes in this movie, and I'll get to some criticisms later, oh, but yeah. <laughs> um, everything with the kids is fantastic. It ages well. So many movies from this era are problematic. You watch them now, and there are jokes that don't land. There are things that are feel misogynist, things that um, feel homophobic. Um, there's nothing like that here. I mean... Even even the kids, little subtleties. Some of the the students, they're um, a vulnerable population, but they don't have that side plot where one kid's a thief or one kid's like thinking of going to a life of crime. Or I don't. Yeah. Just all the like kind of cliches from that era aren't in it. It's just about yeah. her and kids and empowering them. Yeah, the only person who says anything that is like detrimental to the kids or is something that isn't. Um, positive is Crispy, the, you know, like, I guess, school authority guy, not even the principal. He's like the school leader. Yeah, who was that guy? But he says like some, some, a couple of lines that are like, ooh, those aren't good things to say. Those are like, you know, racist or, you know, not okay. Um, But he's a villain. And (laughs) those are why he says those. Heather, what did you like? Um, I loved all the songs, but that's why I love Sister Act, you know, the original too. Like, it's just so upbeat, um, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. What was the other? 
Maybe oh, happy day. Oh, yes. happy day. Oh, oh my gosh. And when he hits the note. There is, there is no other moment in cinema history that I can recall as dramatic as when that kid hits <laughs> that falsetto and everyone turns around. I, I truly can't think of literally any other moment in cinema. It's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the happy feeling. And even, you know, it is a little bit cliche and that at the end they're like oh no we can't sing the other choir was better than us yeah and then oh no we're gonna do it you know yeah um, take off your totally uniforms yeah, yeah it totally works and they take off the choir robes yeah it's so good I um when gay marriage um was passed by the supreme court I was like I'm pretty sure this is what oh happy day this moment in oh, cinema history was for so totally. <laughs> yeah 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 um, the the clip and part of the reason why I'm I'm writing the essay I'm going to write is because a clip kind of went viral during the election and um, it's the Oh Happy Day clip. I have had that song in my head for the last week and a half, and I I have absolutely no complaints. It's such a wonderful song and such a wonderful scene. And it's in so that good. video, they liken um, Whoopi Goldberg's character to Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Yeah. Reading the chorus my, in Georgia. My favorite part of that meme video is that, like, you know, a lot of the other ones were putting people's faces, physical faces on it. And whoever made that literally was just, like, changing titles of people. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah. Democrats, Stacey Abrams, <laughs> like, Republicans, <laughs> specific states. And it was just, like, great. It works. It just works. It just moves the plot along. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that was great. And, um, and. I just like how they balance it. They bring the nuns back for one song. Is it Ball of Confusion? And yes. then um, and then they get out of the way and you bring in the kids. You have Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill, like a minute before she got super famous with the Fugees and, and yeah. with her solo album, and then she basically disappeared. Um, and um, her co-star, Tanya Blout, who... Yes. Her husband and her now have a, a duo who've come to Hardly Strictly like the past four years mm, called The War and Treaty. They have done fantastic shows. I've been to them at um, Hardly Strictly for the past couple years when they've been here. And when I realized there was a connection, I was like, Sister Act is everywhere. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, yeah. L- Lauren Hill and Tanya Blout are the ones who are at the piano singing uh, My Eye is on the Sparrow. Yeah. Oh, I love that song. Is one of like... I, uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite rendition of that song I've ever heard. It's yeah. just insane. The harmonies, their vocals are just insane. And it's really moving, that moment mm-hmm. between friends and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lauren Hill, good actress, too. I mean, absolutely yeah. is not, you know, that's not like a weakness. She has no weakness in this film. I think she's yeah. excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, Maggie Smith. Like all of the sort of reuniting and it's going to be one of my criticisms that they kind of force some of these nuns to do stuff. There's not enough for them to do. Yeah. Um, but 
every scene with Maggie Smith, it's like she doesn't care that she's in a sequel. She's just totally bringing it. When she comes on screen and she meets Dolores, I think it's a real tribute to Sister Act One that that bond is so strong and they both learned a lot about themselves and each other. I just, I got like a little bit, you know, misty-eyed just seeing them find each other again, which I think says just a lot about that first film. Yeah, I love how Maggie Smith, when she talks with um, like the, I guess, uh, main like her counterpart, the priest guy, I forget his name um, at the moment, but um, and he's kind of like, I'm just worried about, you know, Sister Mary Clarence. She's so like weird and she's not like traditional. And Maggie's like, remember you and I was like, we're deemed non-traditional in our day and age. And like, I just like the that leadership from her. Um, yeah, to your point, it really does flash back to kind of that full circle in Sister Act One when you could see Maggie Smith go from this is an outsider here that I'm just doing a favor for to this is someone that's our community now, whether she's a nun by um, trade or just nun by chance. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> well, and that actor is uh, that actor is Bernard Hughes, who yes. um, really his career kind of happened. Um, he's kind of like a Wilford Brimley. I mean, he's always just yeah. like fifty year old, but he's been <laughs> in a bunch of stuff. And he plays Father Maurice. Father um, Maurice other things, right. other things you liked. Wow, um, of course, so many shots of Muni. When I watched it last yes. night, I was like, the first like couple minutes, there's me. And I was like, Muni! And I just, like, yelled <laughs> it in my apartment. Um, what else do I like is, um, you know, I think it is a little campy how the like class is like, you know, they're like really mean. And then like for some reason, like all of a sudden they're like, no, now we're going to take it seriously. Like for no apparent reason at all. It doesn't necessarily like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> they didn't, they just kind of like switched and they were just deciding to be nice to Sister Mary Clarence, and then take the class seriously. So I was like, eh, I'll t- uh, whatever. And um, yeah, I just, the way that the class got along and kind of like um, their rapport. Oh, and I'd be remiss if I did not talk about just the clothing in general, the 90s pants, the large belts. We're talking extra, extra, extra large polo shirts on boys who are probably a size small. Um, it just, the time and place of that uh, of those clothing styles, those those are some highlights for me. I have I think more. you you just consider the whole movie a highlight, right? Yeah, like <laughs> like what, what's your favorite about Sister Act and Elliot? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> Heather, how many Heather, how many uh, pairs of overalls did you have? Oh, or I maybe definitely still wore have. overalls back in the nineties, and also. Speaking of like style, I found their feathered bangs quite accurate. I had big bangs. Amazing. Yes. 
Well, I think I'm going to play um, a little bit of my Bill Duke clip now because um, he talks a little bit about um, just that element with the kids and, and their approach. And he ends with, um, I kept this in, this was not even really part of the interview. We went on tangents. He's just a really nice man. He ended by asking me, could I give you a few of my inspirational quotes? <laughs> just <laughs> collects inspirational quotes, and he gave me three. So we're going to end wow. with that. Bill Duke. Um, were you attracted to the film is very socially conscious and it was more socially conscious than the first film. Do you remember reading the script and was that something that you liked about it? Yes, because it, you know, it, it really involved the thoughts and feeling of young people at the time, you know, mm -hmm. and it also displayed them as it's not a bunch of gangster kind of gang membered negative people. But it gave you an insight in terms of who they were, the community, um, their way of thinking about things. And no one said they were perfect, but at least gave you an understanding of their humanity, which I liked a lot. Mm. And that's what attracted me to the script. Do you remember the test screening or the premiere? How did the movie go over before it got to the crowds and the... I remember, so I remember people loved it, particularly yeah. the happy day scene and, you know, with the kids singing and it was, it was, um, and also people loved Whoopi. Uh -huh. So you had the, the film fans, but for the most part, you had Whoopi fans in the audience. Mm -hmm. And in those days, anything Whoopi did was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about when it came out, The Chronicle? We gave you a good review, but uh, I know a lot of others didn't, and it didn't make the box office that the first one did. Do you remember those things coming in, and what was your what was your feeling about that? Well, we were disappointed because, you know, you know, it's like, I can't, you know, we don't really understand a lot of film critics. Mm -hmm. A lot of them want to be creative people, uh, but they critique you in a way that some doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But you accept that you don't depend upon them. Um, but as time went on, and the DVD sales and all the rest of it, you know, I'm pretty sure it made its money back probably. So. Yeah. And they're still playing, and people call and see how much they liked it still, or they. Um, text me or Facebook me or whatever, say, hey, Sutrak 2 is on. We love the movie. So that's as important as anything else. Yeah. And the last thing, I, you like quotes? Yeah, I love them. I think, let me give you my, 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 my and I do this on the interview, my, my three favorite quotes, I'll try to remember them. Uh -huh. um, aspire to inspire before you expire. <laughs> that's Great, I'm writing that down. Number two, uh -huh. uh, if a man does not seek humility, humility will seek the man. Well said. <laughs> and number three, in your lifetime, you will never see a smaller package than a person wrapped up in themselves. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's excellent. I love them all. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about what didn't work. Um, I just felt like they added a bunch of characters and 
it got a little bit bloated. The 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 priests, the men, it felt a little bit like the chipettes and the chipmunks when they got to bring in some new characters kind of just to do it. Alvin and the chipmunks. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I felt like the balance was a little bit off from yeah. that end. I was going to say that too. That like group of really weird guys who worked at the school <laughs> were so annoying. There were so many of them. There wasn't like a normal man who worked at that school. And then That's at the true. end when they go on their big chase and like the one guy is like keeps nearly crashing into like huge trucks. I don't know. It just went on and on and on. And that was on was the Marin not, Headlands. Not cool. It was, I thought that was a weak point. Yeah. I thought also, I mean, my complaint about Sister Act is, you know, some of the plot simplicity. Here there's like just some massive plot holes. I mean, she's on the cover of Rolling Stone, but she can go undercover again with the same <laughs> nuns and no one's none of these kids, their parents are going to notice when they pick them up from school. Like isn't that that nun from Rolling Stone? <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine. She's shown on the cover of Rolling Stone yeah, magazine yeah. at one point. Um, she can just quit her job. Doesn't she have a contract with the Vegas studio? Is she just subletting her Las Vegas place? Um, and, and also, I mean, I'm kind of half joking. You know, these aren't big things. They certainly don't bother me as much as I think they probably did the first time I saw them. But a lot of the conflict is driven by people not talking to each other or by miscommunication, which is basically like every episode of Three's Company and sitcoms (laughs) from the 70s and 80s. It's just, and to me that is like, when you've got a year and a half to make a movie and you're not quite sure how to do it, I think those types of things come up. So Mm -hmm. while I love the songs and I love um, a lot of the characters and I love the just general vibe. A few of the things gluing it together don't work, I think, even as well as the first movie. So, Sarah, are we still friends? (laughs) (laughs) Reluctantly. No, I mean, like, definitely I watched it yesterday and I was like, I was like, man, they really just did that. She just really just freaking left Vegas. No no strings attached. And now she's just at the convent and back in a habit and like sleeping in a bunk bed or whatever, sleeping in a cot <laughs> in a like, you know. So I, I didn't disagree on like the plot holes or those weaknesses per se. But I do think the strengths far outweigh that. <laughs> <laughs> like enough that you shouldn't even mention them. I should just... No, I would, you know, let's just hope that this part of the podcast is minimal. Minimal, <laughs> definitely. Let's just hope Peter cuts out his whole last speech, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Let me just, like, rattle off all the parts that were weak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got one more little one. They're raising $2,000 to get them to L.A. Now, I love a good montage, and I love, you know, all of all of that... You know, I get excited when they're like, hey, we got to raise $2,000 because I know you're going to get a musical montage and I'm here for it. But doesn't she make like $2,000 a night in Vegas? I would just think that Dolores Van Cartier could just write that check. Well, maybe that's part of maybe that's part of your plot point here is that if she wrote the check, it would immediately like show that she's not a nun with a vow of poverty. Oh, and the kids won't learn too. 
Right. Well, and because probably one of those dumb men is the person who does the treasure, like the, you know, finances. So, and I, well, I appreciate, and I think she would be that generous. I think she's, you know, having to save the school and herself in different ways. I just, I'm thinking it should have been like 20,000 or 40,000. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is 90s money, I little, guess. Little you know? thing, little yeah. thing. Um, Heather, any other, any other criticisms? I agree with you. Like, I definitely liked Sister Act better for the story. Um, I was confused. Like, what neighborhood did you guys think this school was supposed mm. to be in? Because I you could see, see you Coit Tower, which made yes. me think it was supposed to be North Beach area or like Fisherman's Wharf. But when they were on the streets, it seemed like it was supposed to be more like the Mission. Mm. So. I felt like very Chinatown Tenderloin vibes, but I just only because like it felt like the um, buildings were higher, right? Like, it just felt yeah. like there were some higher buildings around, and they were, like, talking from, like, you know, an apartment building down to the street that probably the apartment building felt, like, six to eight stories up, which you don't, you know, that's only in a couple parts of the city hmm. in that. So It was quite unclear. Yeah, definitely unclear. Um, you know, they definitely, like, kind of rattled, you know, a couple of, I don't know, like, things off every now and again being, like, they're... The, the community is, you know, bad, come, comes from like a bad community or it's like, you know, the community hasn't helped the school, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And you make your own inferences on what that means. You mm-hmm. know, I think it could mean any any neighborhood who might I mean, want to I, or might not want to help a private school. So I mean, this is a fictional universe where Noe Valley is the worst part of town. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One thing. Can I tell you something that bugged me when I first saw it in 1993 or 1994, sure, but yeah. does not at all bother me now? Um, I, I do remember like not liking the music as much back then because it was so kind of overproduced in that 90s way. Mm-hmm. Not all of it, but but some of it was, especially the last, the Joyful Joyful. And the two kind of Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch <laughs> rappers at the time Frank that I, yeah. at, at the time hey. that, oh. I, that I that <laughs> I Now, at the time that I saw them, um, I pr- I was probably like listening to like Nirvana and and you know a lot of like <laughs> hardcore punk and like I'm in my grunge kind of um, definitely was past my Marky Mark phase. Looking back, I think they're fantastic. I just yeah. I love it. I love I love every part of that final joyful joyful scene, including the two rappers. Um, so, you know, I do it. sometimes do that joyful, joyful as a karaoke song. I tend <laughs> to do like when I do sister act karaoke, I tend to do songs from sister act two more than sister act one. Um, just cause a, most karaoke parlors have them more because they're like more popular. Um, but sometimes I do this last one. And when I get to the rap part, I'm always like, you just have to commit. You just really have to commit <laughs> when you say, are you down with, like G-O-D, yeah, you know me. You just have to really commit to that uh, as an adult singing karaoke with everyone around you. 
I have a Carrie. fun fact. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Peter. No, no, you go. Um, my husband and I got married in the little chapel in the Presidio, and um, we had a pianist slash organist. I don't think it's a whole organ, but um, somebody was playing music up at the front. And when we wa- when we said our vows and everything was over, and we walked back up the aisle, we played "Joyful, Joyful." We adore thee. Aww, <laughs> that's Lovely. amazing. I know. I think a couple years ago at the like MTV Awards, and y- y'all should definitely look it up, or I'll send you a link. And any listeners out there should as well. Lizzo was performing and did like a riff of Joyful Joyful intro into her performance. Ooh, like, I want to see that. All the way down to at the beginning, someone like, you know, played a backstage hand and goes, Lizzo says, take off your robes. And everyone's like, what? It's like, take off your robes. Lizzo says, take off your robes. <laughs> and then they do some, you know, Joyful Joyful like precursor. And then they go into, I think, Feeling Good as Hell or one of, one of her like amazing songs. And I was just like... This is perfect. This, like, Sister Act 2, Sister Act, the whole universe continues to be part of the canon. The yeah, that's, that's Lizzo's calling it out. Well, we're going to get to Sister Act 3 in a second. I wanted to just see if there's any more about locations. And mm. is that basketball court, Heather, the same basketball court where Will Smith has <gasps> oh. his talk with his son in Pursuit, pursuit of, of happiness? happiness? That's yeah. a good call. I'm not sure. I think there may be more than one basketball courts with a view of Transamerica Pyramid. I'm going to check this out, and I will have the answer on Twitter. Okay. But um, uh, And if there is more than one basketball court with a view of the Transamerica period, Pyramid, we live in a pretty awesome city. Yeah. yeah. We might have That's to awesome. do a tour of the basketball courts. Other thoughts about the locations? I mean, you know, same same feeling of at the beginning of this movie as Sister Act 1, when they do the aerial coming into San Francisco, you just get those chills. You know, it's yeah. going to be good. The the ferry building coming in. I think um, I, I like the fact that it's still, these nuns are still set in the same city and they're like inspired by Whoopi in Sister Act 1 being like, we need to go into the community. Even though Whoopi's yeah. not a nun, she's just like, this is, we, I need to go into the community. So yeah, I, I like how that like that big plot point that moves the movie forward, the series forward, is that we are inspired by, you know, this person to continue bettering our city. So Sister Act 3, and this, Sarah, is where I'm going to kind of let you take over. Um, <laughs> this has been rumored for a long time. How long have you been hearing about a Sister Act 3, and how much do you believe it this time? Um, you know, I've heard about Sister Act 3 for probably, I was looking back, probably 2017 is when I first started hearing about a potential. Um, and I think it comes up every couple years. One year there was like, oh, Tyler Perry's production company is going to do it. Or or it was like Disney was going to do it. And then they weren't going to put Whoopi in it. And so Whoopi, then Tyler Perry was like, oh, I'll help you. And so that way, like, you can be in it because Disney was like, we're just not going to do it with Whoopi. And like, of how do you course do it without Whoopi? Yeah. How do you do it without Whoopi? Or like, she'd be like a cameo situation. They, they know she's yeah. still alive, right? right? <laughs> like, she has got star power. Um, so yeah. this is like the third, maybe fourth time that I've heard that there's going to be a Sister Act 3. Um, I literally usually get like eight to 20 texts about it each time it happens from different people, you know, telling me about it. And I'm like, thank you. You know, got my sources out there <laughs> <laughs> sending me the same article, but it's great. Uh, how much do I believe it? 
you know, if this was pre-pandemic, I'd be like, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. There's a lot of work, you know, there's a lot of movies, a lot of things that are happening. But um, I think we are at the precipice of needing a movie <laughs> like Sister Act 3. Oh my we, gosh, I totally because agree. Because also, like, I don't want a movie about the pandemic. I don't want a movie about now, like, and now, yeah. now. I want a movie that doesn't feel like that. And I think Sister Act 3, they could... Um, an aspect of like helping like homeless folks you have an aspect of helping you know make equality and like racial equality and all of these different things that like still um like are current in that there are issues today but it's not necessarily like um the plot isn't necessarily set like in 2020 or in even yeah 2019, I, you know? I think it i mean they it's not going to be too serious. You yeah, know, yeah, it's, no, it's going to no, be no, no. it's going to be tackling a surface problem yeah, yeah, yeah. in a real <laughs> earnest way, like yeah. the first two sister acts. Yeah. But I'm I'm all for it. I mean, and I think like like Bill and Ted face the music that got like think pieces in the New York Times. I mean, there's nothing else to write about. And, yeah. then, and then then you got Disney Plus, which has just a ton of money, and they're you know I'm sure trying to bring in multiple generations, mm-hmm. get people who are a little bit older to figure out what Disney Plus is, and push them over the edge on you know cutting the cord or whatever. I, it just seems perfect. Plus, like Whoopi Goldberg, you know. It's got to be f- fun for her. I- I've heard that the first one, she maybe didn't have the best time, but she speaks really fondly of it. I mean, it's got to be just like getting together with your old friends. So Yeah, they had a reunion on The View a couple years ago for like, I think the 25th anniversary of it um, with like the music director, Mark like Shalman and Whoopi was there and Kathina Jimmy was there and some of the other surviving nuns were there um and they all like were very yeah kind of looked back on it with like great pride and great like joy Mm. so i think you know i think there is especially for people probably in the you know millennial generation right when like you were watching sister act as like kids um or like young uh, teens like yeah the nostalgia factor there is huge i mean Mm. like yeah so I'm there for it. You know, I might pivot my uh, Sister Act account to see if uh, maybe Whoopi will have me as an extra. As <laughs> yeah, that the biggest... be, you need to change like the point of the account because it's on Disney Plus now. So well, I think so, it should be about Sister Act 3 and you getting a role. Yeah, so Sister Act, it, it was, you know, get on Netflix. And then once it was on Disney Plus, I was like, well, now we're just general advocacy. Okay. Anytime Sister Act comes up, we talk about it. So now that we have the possibility of Sister Act three, I think you know this is a good this is a good pivot point to to do that. All right. Well, I I uh, I thank you, Sarah, for um, for getting me to think about this movie again because I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it. Um, and then I watched it, and I'm just like, this is a great movie for now. I hope people watch it. Um, I've got an essay coming out in the Chronicle. Not. Uh, it'll be after this podcast is out. I've got another big project I'm working on. But um, Amazing. Uh, before the end of November, I will write my tribute to Sister Act 2. And, Amazing. Uh, <laughs> so, Sister Act 3, um, there will be another chapter to this podcast, Sarah. When that comes <laughs> out, we'll get you back on. Yes. Um, thank you very much. Thanks for coming back on. And I hope um, to see you in a movie theater 
uh, sometime next year. And it's just good to see you again. And uh, thank you for sharing your sister act love with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back on. It's great to see y'all. So glad y'all watched the movie. And, uh, you know, as always, the offer stands out there for anyone out there who wants to watch it together. Now digitally, hit me up at Sister Activism on Twitter and uh, we could chat Sister Act. So Awesome. <laughs> Good to see you. You too. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, Sarah Katz-Hyman. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com slash pod.